You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Jesus. Happy Resurrection Day to everybody. Come on, this day is what made everything possible in our Christian lives. I know sometimes as Christians in America, we don't feel the weight, the weightiness of what we've been given just because of it's an amazing country and the freedoms that we have, right? And uh, when we look around the world and you begin to, to reevaluate, you're like, wow. I've been given a whole lot uh, by Jesus, through Jesus, um, because of his extravagant love that was shown ultimately over the course of, of, I know it was over the course of three and a half years, he demonstrated who the Father is to us, but over the course of three days was this plan from the, before the foundation of the world that was, that was late, you know, the Father and, and the Spirit and Jesus were in heaven and they're having this conversation and you know and they want to make man in their image but before it even that takes place he's like we've got a plan we've got a plan to redeem all of mankind and they and he came and and did that I mean God stooped down as man how humbling would that be and so this weekend we get to remember that we are to celebrate that actually every day (laughs) <laughs> Not just on on Easter weekend, right? But I love I love Easter weekend because it's I don't know about you, but over the course of my Christian life, I I need reminders. I need times where I need recalibrated. There's times when I need a holy reset, and uh, this weekend is always a good reminder for me what I've what I've given my life for, and that we have found the one thing that's worth giving our lives for. The one person that's worth giving our lives for, it's Jesus. And so I've got a couple exciting announcements before I get into the scriptures. If you, if you want to, you can turn and uh, put your, your finger in John chapter 20. People made remarks when I told them that I was actually preaching out of John 20 today, which would be uh, a quote-unquote traditional passage of Resurrection Sunday. I, uh, they said, well, it's probably the most traditional you've ever been. And, uh, and that's, that's just because I, I don't preach according to events because I don't get to choose what I preach. <laughs> um, so I, get, uh, I have somebody that has a little bit more authority than I do that, that gives me, give me access to these messages and I just hope I hear him right. And so just so happens that today's going to be out of John 20. So I'm excited because it's one of my many favorite passages in the Bible. Um, but this weekend made a whole lot possible, like I said. The resurrection of Jesus made it possible for us to be born again, sons and daughters of God. And uh, there's, a, there's a book back there that uh, I want to I thank one person in the room right now that's, uh, that helped make it possible. You know, Rachel Hills over the last year and a half has walked, uh, maybe a little bit over a year and a half, has walked with, with me editing, transcribing, doing all the things that, that actually made it possible for this book to take place. 
And so thank you, Rachel. I just want to honor you. You did an incredible job. Um, and um, I'm just blown away by the response already uh, of what God's going to do with it. Because, you know, when you, write, when you write books that are, are filled with, with truth from the word and, and testimony from your life, it's really not about you. It's about the impact that Jesus wants to make with it. And so we have some books back there. There's not very many. There'll be a whole lot more at, at, at a later point. But, uh, I mean, who's got Amazon Prime in the room? I, it might be a shorter list on who doesn't have Amazon Prime. Um, but uh, you can, it came in one day. One, see, people, it actually went live like Tuesday on Amazon uh, Prime. We just didn't, uh, we didn't announce it until Friday. And, and uh, so you can get some books back there. Or you can get them from Amazon or you can get a Kindle version if you like digital still. And I'm um, just real, real grateful, you know, that God's going to get these in the hands of people that need it, going to give people hope. And um, so, anyway, one more exciting announcement that I just found out about my Pakistan trip before we get into the scriptures is uh, Donish Peter had, we had it mapped out. You know, we've, we've had a plan for months of what we felt like the Lord wanted to do within this trip. And just about a week ago, a little bit less than a week ago, he had this vision, the Holy Spirit dropped just in his spirit, and he said, I feel like this is what, I feel like we're supposed to do something in addition to the meetings that you, the pastors and leaders conferences, we have three other evangelistic meetings, one of them is going to be on the grounds of the biggest, biggest college in all of Pakistan. Wow. We will only be using a fraction of those grounds <laughs> this time, but um at the front end, uh, the front end of this trip, we're going to get to meet. I'm supposed to announce this publicly, by the way. This isn't supposed to be hidden. We're going to get to meet with some high-ranking uh, Muslim, um, Hindu, and Sikh leaders. Um, it'll be the end of Ramadan when we get there uh, around that time. and We're going to get to feed them. Uh, I'm going to get to share with them. And uh, we're going to do this at a hotel banquet center and just get to forge relationship with them. Most of the people there, between 80 and 100 of them will be there. And uh, most of the, the ones that will be there uh, will be Sunni and Shi'i Muslims, because that's the majority um, that are in, are in Pakistan. And so this is a really, really big deal um, to get to have the opportunity to be able to serve these, these men that will be in this room. And so thanks for your prayers. I mean, God's doing extravagant things. This is a whole lot, whole lot more than we could dream up. So remember that we all get to be a part of this because we're the family of God. So John chapter 20, I'm going to start in verse 1. You guys ready? All right. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. <clears throat> I like that John wrote the gospel and he pointed out that he outran Peter. <laughs> 
men don't stop competing over the course of their life. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of the things we do. Verse 5, And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, and yet did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as they did not know yet the scripture that he must rise again from the dead, then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing it to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd come over these next few moments that we get to unpack this very powerful, very impactful, very important passage. We ask that you'd come as the spirit of revelation and reveal truth to us that we need today. That you'd open our eyes in the ways that we need it most and that you'd help us to see that you'd help us to see Jesus the way that we need to see Jesus today. And that we'd leave this place looking at you, Jesus, differently than we ever have before. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a whole lot in this passage that we can unpack because, I mean, you can point to the fact that the handkerchief is, is folded up and it's lying away from the linen cloths. And, and that in those times actually meant that I'll be back again, which is a very, very pow powerful, important part of that particular scripture. But that's not what I felt like I was supposed to point out today. I, I, what drew my attention in this passage as I read it over and over again is the fact that Mary saw Jesus and she did not know who he was. Mary saw Jesus. She turns around after she saw two angels and acted like it was no big deal. I mean, these angels are telling her, you know, basically, why, why are you crying? This is supposed to be a day of celebration, but Mary doesn't get that yet, as the disciples don't get that yet, and, and if you and I were there, we wouldn't have gotten it either. <laughs> and so she, she's, she's crying, she talks to these angels, they ask her a question, she responds to them like it's just everyday life, and then she turns around, and it appears to me like the scripture indicates that Jesus is just right there. And so Jesus, we know, is in his 
resurrected form, but not yet in his ascended form. And I don't know exactly what that looks like in the scriptures. I know that Jesus still isn't marred like he was when he was on the cross. Otherwise, Mary probably would have recognized because she was there. Because this is Mary Magdalene in whom Jesus cast out seven demons. Like, you don't forget a dude's face that cast seven demons out of you and set you free from everything that you'd been bound by. You, you, none of you forget the person that led you to Jesus, right? Like none of us forget these, there's moments that mark us or demarcations in time that mark us in moments that we won't forget. I, I, don't, I don't care how old you get. I don't care how, how, how much your memory may go over the course of time or how many times you, you've bumped your head. <laughs> Like There are things that, that I can't forget that are ingrained in me, that, that are a part of who I am now, because those moments like Mary had with Jesus, that, that became a part of her. That became a part of, of not just her story, but, but their story. And everything that Jesus does in our lives from the moment that he sets us free on forward, even before that, we can look back and see the fingerprints of God all over our lives. Some of us have been saved out of moments where we should have been killed. And some of the things may not seem quite as good as a story but for some of us, but we can look back and say, Jesus was there in that moment. I was getting comfort that didn't make sense in that moment. I had peace in that moment. I'm talking about pre-Jesus. Because you know that the goodness of God's been being shown to us all throughout the course of, of, of all of our lives. If we look back with spiritual eyes, the Holy Spirit helping us, we can say God was there, God was there, God was there. And Mary was able to say in this, in this moment, I remember, I remember the man that cast seven demons out of me. There's no other reason for her to be one of the people, the only person that's still at the tomb crying. They had disciples that walked with Jesus longer. And we've got one woman at the tomb. It's, 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 it speaks a whole lot more than what it says in the scripture. Right? She'd had a moment with Jesus that had changed her. And she wasn't willing to walk away from the tomb until she found the body of her Lord. And so what I propose to you today is that what you look for, you'll find. Is that whatever my eyes are searching for, I, I will find. If it's negative from criticism and judgment and the things that I want to see, I'll find that. The people are out to get me or people don't like me or whatever it is, I'll find that. My brain will search for it like a search engine, like Google. My brain will search for the things that, it, that, I, that I believe right? To the things that I'm looking for, that I have deep in my heart. And Mary had been marked in such a way that she was not willing to quit searching. It wasn't just her brain that was looking for Jesus, it was, it was her heart. And she found him. She found the one that had set her free, the one that had saved her life. But then why didn't, she, why didn't she recognize him when she turned around? I propose to you that he wasn't still in his beat up, actually completely disfigured to where his own mama couldn't recognize him for him. Because that would have just freaked you out, right? That wouldn't, she wouldn't have thought he was the gardener. <laughs> right? 
no gardener walking around messed up like that. So he wasn't in, in his ascended form. He wasn't in his on-the-cross form. But it appears to me that he, and he was in his normal form, even though he still had the nail prints and he had the spear hole in his side. We see that later on in this passage. It's how we know that. Because he had to show the disciples his nail prints and his side for them to even recognize him. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But Jesus, but Jesus says to a woman, whom are you seeking? You know, why, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she's starting to have this conversation with him, but she still doesn't know who he is. And I looked at that and it baffled me. I'm like, how in the world this woman that did life with Jesus, day in and day out, does not recognize Jesus? And it dawned on me that that's possible for every single person that's a believer. She was already a believer is that there are situations that are going on in our lives right now, things that are happening, that we can look in, and, and even Jesus is there in those moments, and we don't recognize him. Because we don't yet have eyes to see. See, Jesus was, had been resurrected, and Mary did not know him as resurrected Jesus. She knew him as pre-cross Jesus. And yes, he did new covenant things on the front side of the cross, right? As demonstration of what we would do on the back side of the cross. But he was in two different, this is what I proposed to you, he was in two different forms. And she only knew him as the pre-cross Jesus. And sometimes in our situations, we know Jesus in certain ways that we haven't had. That, and there's other ways that we haven't had to yet know him because we haven't needed him in those particular ways. Sometimes we find out we need him as provider and we haven't recognized him as that because we haven't, haven't needed that kind of provision before. Or we need healing in our bodies and we haven't dealt with that kind of infirmity or that sickness or that disease. We've never needed Jesus as that type of healer and so we don't recognize him as that yet. Or maybe we need him as deliverer in situations that we haven't needed him as deliverer before. And so we don't recognize that he's already there. Because Jesus is not waiting till we need him in a moment to show up. He's actually already in every area of our lives. Because we said, Jesus, yes, you can be here. But even before that, he was already waiting for us to wake up to the fact that he is alive, ready, and willing to accommodate everything we need because on this day he actually paid for it to take place. And so Mary doesn't recognize him because she's in a moment of need that she's never had before. And she needed to wake up to who Jesus was on the other side of the cross. Disciples ran into the same exact thing. You look down not too many scriptures later and the disciples are locked up in a room, right? Afraid. Remember the woman was at the tomb and the disciples were in this room locked up and afraid. And Jesus actually sends Mary to the disciples and that's why I always say that a woman was the first sent one. Not everybody likes that. 
<laughs> I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm just... <laughs> she was sent from Jesus to the disciples. That makes her a, that's the definition of a sent one. Which is the definition of an apostle. <laughs> hey, I'm just showing you what's in the Bible. You can look in there and talk to Jesus. I'm sure everybody in this room probably agrees with that at some level. And so Mary goes to the disciples and, and tells them what Jesus has said. But you know what? They evidently, their eyes weren't opened in that moment because he had to appear to them in a room. Walk through the wall. That wasn't enough. He walks through the wall. If, if something walks through the wall, right, I, I, I might assume that it's Jesus. Some of the experiences I've had, I may not assume necessarily. It's going to have to resemble Jesus at this point in my life. I've had some experiences we won't go into that are relatively mystical and and uh, it's just part of the, the life that we live as Christians, you know? We're supernatural beings. But Jesus walks through the wall, and he says, peace to you, and they still don't get it. And then he shows him his, his hands and his side. And then it says they are glad when they saw the Lord. You see, each and every one of us, have moments where we have to wake up or we get to wake up to the fact that Jesus is alive, willing, and ready to do this life with us. He's not just having us do it for him. But it's actually this invitation into actually waking up to the oneness that we have in him. Because this whole life is being lived with Jesus but before my eyes are open to the fact that I am one with him and he actually wants to do this thing with me and that he wants to be a part of the mundane, he wants to be a part of when I'm eating out or a part of my job or he wants to be a part of my marriage, he wants to be a part of when I'm shopping, he wants to be a part of everything. Until my eyes are open to that, I can feel like I'm doing this life apart from Jesus, which is absolutely exhausting. You know why? Because we weren't made to do it apart from him. We were made to do this thing with him. Grace empowering us. And sometimes we need more than one wake-up call. You know, the disciples later on, you look in chapter 21, the disciples, you know what Peter decides to do? And I feel like this is going to hit home for, for some people today. This may, not, this may not be for, I don't believe this is for everybody, but I believe it's for some people. As you know, the disciples, after they were glad when they saw the Lord in that room, is that they still, still decided to go back to their old life. They went fishing. After they had committed, Peter decides he's going fishing. The rest of them decide they're going with him. And Peter had committed that he would follow Jesus with all he had. Right? You ever... You ever done that and reneged on your promise? <laughs> I'm sure nobody here has done that before, but I have. <laughs> I remember committing my life to Jesus and then taking, then taking it back a few times and thinking that it might be better if I just tried to do this thing without him. There's all kinds of things that happened that caused that. For me, it was just sheer ignorance and rebellion that was still in my heart and I just 
thought I knew better. Uh, I, my excuse is, is that was slightly before my brain was fully developed. <laughs> I could blame it on that, but I was definitely, I, 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 knew, I knew better. But even in knowing better, and even falling straight on my face, I found that the mercy of God was waiting for me in that moment. I found that the grace of God was waiting for me in that moment to empower me back into everything that He already saw me as, everything that He dreamed I would always be. So the disciples appear like they're just momentary lapse of judgment. Not making excuses for them. I'm not making excuses for us. I'm just letting you know that God's more than a God of second chances. Third and fourth and fifth and sixth, and you just keep on going, right? He just doesn't give up on us. He didn't give up on the disciples, and he goes to the seaside, and he builds a fire, and he yells at them, and seems a little antagonistic to me, but I know Jesus isn't antagonistic, but he knows they hadn't caught anything. They've been fishing all night long. It's the last thing the fisherman wants to be asked. Anybody fish in here? You've, if you fish several hours, especially if you fished all night long, the last question you want to be asked is, have you caught anything? <laughs> I, I don't care if they're just starting small talk. I don't want you to ask me if I caught any fish, right? Because I don't fish just to spend time on the water. Even though I like to be on the water, I like to catch fish. That's why we fish. <laughs> People are like, I just like to... Th- I just like to be on the water and throw my line in. I'm like, that's great. I like that too. I like, to be, I like there to be something on the other end of that thing at some point. <laughs> and hopefully it's relatively large, <laughs> right? But at least if I caught something small, I can say I caught something. But the disciples hadn't caught anything. They fish a little bit different than we do nowadays. They fish with a sane net, which to me is cheating. But hey, they're fishing for work. They're not fishing for leisure. They've been there all night, and Jesus calls out to them and says, Hey, what do you guys got? This is Tony's paraphrase translation, by the way. Got nothing. So why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat, which is also the last thing a fisherman wants to be told, is for you to come after I've fished all night and you to come tell me how to fish. Like these guys are professional fishermen. But you know what? Desperation sets in, they think. Let's do it. Cast it out on the other side of the boat. And when they catch as more fish than they ever had before, that's when John, the disciple in whom Jesus loved, that writes this gospel, his eyes are open because of the miracle that is taking place. And when John says, it is the Lord, Peter wakes up then to the fact that, okay, yes, this is Jesus. And he just jumps, he puts his outer garment back on and jumps into the water and swims over. But they had to wake back up to the fact that Jesus was still with them because Jesus never stops pursuing people. Doesn't matter how far you go, doesn't matter where you go, doesn't matter what you get yourself caught up in, Jesus will always pursue you to the ends of the earth. His love, it's impossible to outrun it. It's impossible to outsin it. It doesn't matter what, we can turn our backs on God and he will continue to pursue us because that's what love does. Love never, ever, ever gives up on us. So 
So what's it take for us to wake up to Jesus being in every area of our life? Because this is why I feel like that this is, is so important, not just because it's Resurrection Sunday, not just because it's, it's Easter that we celebrate, not just because this is an appropriate message because of this day, but because I believe this is what God's doing in the earth right now. That we as the body of Christ as a whole are getting the opportunity to wake up to Jesus being really alive and willing and ready to impact and influence the people that are around us in every, every sphere of influence that he has given us in every area of our lives that we are currently need for him to present himself as he is. He's ready and willing to wake us up to that so that the world can see that Jesus is really, really good and really in love with them. <clears throat> I'll tell you that it's needed now more than ever. And every generation can say that, right? But the number one thing that we get when people come to us, the number one, when, Christian, when Christians come, when it's not somebody that, that actually, the number, actually the number one thing, if we were to rank it by percentage of responses that we get from people that come in to revive the world or that we encounter, whether at pride festivals or psychic fairs, or at the mall, or wherever, we're just loving people. The, the number one, if we were to rank it, thing that people say is that they have church hurt. Right? Please don't ever talk about spirits and principalities and powers as if they impress you. Because Jesus paid for, on, on this day that we celebrate, for everything to be healed that's been, that's been wounded by his still broken bride, right? That there is a very real spirit at work which is the spirit of religion that, masquerade, that masquerades as the church. And Jesus has got the solution for it, right? But we don't need to pump it up like it's some great thing. Is that I focus more actually on, on what Jesus is doing than what on the enemy is doing. But I can't help but notice when person after person says, I've got church hurt, I've got church hurt, I've got church hurt, I've got church hurt. What that tells me is that religion has hurt people because religion isn't relationship. And we know, as you've heard me say many times, quoting David Wagner, that religion's actually meaner than sin because it tells me I've got to work for something that Jesus freely gave. It tells me I've got to earn back something that Jesus freely gave. It tells me that, that he actually is mad at me, that he's up there in heaven keeping uh, score of what I do or don't do, uh, what I do or don't do right. It, 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 it keeps me afraid. And you and I weren't created to be afraid. We were created to be love. And where love is, there is no fear. And so why is this so important with all the people that have been hurt by the church? And if I had to raise your hand, which please don't, I, I, could, I could several of you, including me, 
You know, when I first when I first got into walking in signs, wonders, and miracles, I just thought that everybody did it because I was unchurched. I I didn't grow. I found out that was that's been actually a good thing for me personally because I didn't have to unlearn some things. But I started to walk in the miraculous, and I was seeing legitimate miracles. Not, not, not you had to have eyes of faith to see. I can, can give you testimonies of miraculous things that have happened. I can show you testimonies of people writing and saying, you know, this has changed my life. We can show you doctor's reports. We can show you all those things. When I first started, and it's all because of what Jesus paid for on this day. And I was just ignorant to all the different belief system in the body of Christ, right? Which I, I, I love it that we don't all agree on, on everything. I actually do, because that's good for us. Because if we all just agreed on everything, then we'd just be, right? What's this, what, what, what Jimmy Evans said when I used to think Lindsay should be just like me, right? I thought, man, if my wife was just like me, we'd get along so well. And I heard him say, if you guys were identical, one of you would be obsolete. <laughs> and I found out that her being different from me actually helped shape me into who I was always created to be. Because you know what? Sometimes you know what? What uh, some of us would like, maybe even all of us. I don't want to say that. Much, I don't want to <laughs> say 100% of us. But a lot of us would like if Jesus would just transform us all by Himself, and it would never take any human interaction. <laughs> I could just stay at home and Jesus would change me outside of relationship with anybody. But you know he doesn't choose to do that. He actually chooses to do this stuff through relationship. And yes, he transforms us outside of it. But I've found out that some wounds are only healed in the context of family. And I believe that church hurt those wounds that religion has caused are only healed on the context of inside of family by Jesus, but because they were a false representation of what family was supposed to be, then Jesus says, I'm going to put you in family so that you can become healed and whole. It's going to be super uncomfortable. There'll be times when you don't like it. There'll be times when it, you, you would rather run than stay. But he says, this is what I, I, I paid for you to be in family because we're, we're better together. And Jesus is waking us up to the fact that He is. He is everything that He says He is. I was thinking about what I was going to say to high-ranking Muslim leaders. Share the love of Jesus with them. Don't, <laughs> but tread lightly. <laughs> because you just can't say anything you want. Sometimes in America we think, well, I can say anything I want. Because here you can say anything you want. You know, in the kingdom, just because I can say everything, anything I want doesn't mean I, I should say it. <laughs> That's a side note. But in some places you can't say whatever you want because it may cost you. Actually, some of you that have adult children have found that out. You can say whatever you want to your adult children, but it may cost you. If you, you've, got, if you've got adult children, you know what I mean. <laughs> you do have the freedom of speech, but it may cost you. 
And so I was thinking, what do I say to high-ranking Muslim leaders? I was like, it's an incredible, I just feel so privileged, right? So humbled. And I thought about the scripture that how can two walk together unless they both agree? And I thought about marriage. I thought, well, it can't be talking about agree on everything. Otherwise, how could we be married? Because <laughs> there's not a married couple in the room that agrees on everything. You may not even agree on most things. <laughs> and that's okay. That's what makes us uniquely us. And it causes us to need to choose each other again every day. Choose to love the other. Choose to stay. Right? And so I thought, man, we don't have to agree on everything. But we can just agree on one thing and walk together. And that's what I feel like Jesus is waking us up to. Is that we can walk together in agreement and not agree on everything. Or even a lot of things. We can agree that Jesus is who he says he is. We can agree that, that love is the most powerful force on the planet. We can agree that the grace of God and the goodness of God are prevalent because of what Jesus did on this day. And I feel like as we pray and get ready to close that what Jesus did for Mary was really simple. Really simple and really powerful. He's going to do for us today in, in the areas that we need it. She said, if you'll just show me, show me where he's at, I'll get his body. It says a lot about Mary's attitude. She's a woman, and her being able to carry Jesus anywhere was highly unlikely. But she was willing to try. Right? Just show me where he's at. And Jesus in that moment says one simple, profound, and powerful word, Mary says her name and every one of us have been called by name by the father every one of us before the foundation of the world the father had said had chosen us in him and had said our names and was waiting for a moment for us to need to hear that wake-up call so that our eyes could be opened to the fact that Jesus is in every single area of my life already waiting already willing, already has healing there, already has deliverance, already has provision, already has the peace that you need, already has comfort. He's there in all his forms and fashions. He's there as friend. He's there as father. He's there as Lord. He's there as king. He's there as the prince of peace. He's there as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's there as the lamb. He's there in every way that we need him. He's there. He's there because we weren't meant to do anything in our lives outside of Him. Not because He desires to control or dictate. I believe He has no interest in either one of those things because they're outside of love. I think all He's looking for is us to walk with Him. For us to walk as one with him. Because he knows that when we do that, we will thrive in every season of our lives. He knows when we do that, we will demonstrate who the Father is as love to the world around us. And for even as much hurt has been caused 
not just been in this generation, it's been for thousands of years. Jesus has the answer. The body of Christ as a whole is the weapon of choice by the Father. Even though we've been hurt and religion has done damage, the Father hasn't changed the plan or changed His mind. He knows that love always has worked and it always will. And you and I today get an opportunity to wake up to the fact that He's poured love out in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate it in even ways we feel like we can't right now. That's what grace is for. Even ways when we feel like we are absolutely weak and broken. But the Father is those moments we get to see how strong He actually is in us. When I am weak, then He is strong. It's so easy to think, man, I got to have this thing all together. I got to feel right. I got to look right. I got to know all these things. I got... And then it will work the way it's supposed to. And Jesus is like, no, it's not necessary. You're perfect in all your imperfections. Let me make up for the deficit. <laughs> Let me show you that when we do this together, regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of of the damage that's still there, regardless of, of the lack that's still there, regardless of the weakness that's still there, if you will allow him, if we will allow him to be himself in every area of our lives, we will see that he is good and that he is faithful and that he will make up the deficits. So if you would stand with me as we pray. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is just going to enforce the echo of your name that's been said before the foundation of the world. The sound, the, the vibration of heaven is actually going to break the power of some things today to help us to wake up and open our eyes to Him being alive and real in our lives. Even in the areas that we've wanted to keep Him out, I believe that even as I was speaking that the kindness of God was working in the room and just gently saying, hey, you can trust me. You can let me into this area. You can trust me. I'm really good. You can let me into this area. I'm really kind, not judgmental, not critical. Just want to come in. Just want to come in. It says he knocks at the door. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's not pounding on the door. He's just knocking patiently, as he has been. Just once in. Once in to show his faithfulness and his love. Once in to show that he's really good. And so, Father, we thank you so much for... Thank you for calling our names. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you reinforce the vibration, the sound of heaven of the Father saying each and every single one of our names. 
And then would you wake us up as Mary's eyes were opened, as the disciples' eyes were opened to who Jesus is on the backside of the cross, that we would see him as he is in every single area of our life. Whatever area we need to wake up to, we thank you. We thank you for waking us up to Jesus being there waiting. We thank you for waking us up to the fact that Jesus is really good, really kind, really patient, really encouraging, really empowering, really faithful. We thank you for waking us up, letting us know that you are here to help. And regardless if we went fishing, so to speak, and we're returning or whatever it is, whatever the situation is, we thank you that you are the same, that you have never changed, that you are love, that you are a good dad, and that you have your arms wide open waiting for us to wake up to you in every area of our lives so that we can live as one with you. In those areas, as we have began to learn to live as one with you, in some of the areas of our life now. And so right now, it just seems fitting for us to just, not even a rededication, but just a choosing again. Just as you choose us, Jesus, every second of every day, right now, just like in every good marriage, we choose you. As our bridegroom king, we choose you all over again, Jesus. We choose you. We choose you. Just in your own way, just, you don't have to say it out loud. You can, any way that you want to, just choose him again today in this marriage covenant that we have with him. And I believe it's going to start something fresh and new on the inside of us as he opens our eyes to more of him in every area. And so we thank you, Father, for the grace to choose Jesus all over again. We thank you for this covenant that we have. We thank you that you have given us everything we need to uphold this end of our covenant and to walk with you as one to demonstrate to the world what we celebrate on this day that you're not only alive but you went to great lengths to get your kids back and so we we celebrate the fact that you sent Jesus to redeem the whole world that you opened our eyes to this magnificent truth and we want to reveal it to the rest of the world. So in this moment, in whatever area we need to, we want to become fully dependent upon you, Jesus. In some areas, we found out that we are utterly weak without you. I pray today that we wake up to the fact that we need you need to be dependent upon you in every single, every single way. 
And so thank you, Father, for helping us with that. Holy Spirit, thank you that day in and day out, even after we leave this place today, that you're the helper for a reason. That you're our teacher for a reason. That you're leading and guiding us into all truth for a reason. So we want to know you more. We want to be more dependent upon you as we get to know you. And be everything that you always dreamed we would be as your kids. And so I bless what you're doing in the room, Holy Spirit. I say more. I say healing. I just release healing, the healing love of the Father into every heart that needs it right now. Yeah, the healing love of the Father into every heart, every, every area of the emotions, every area of life, every place that there has been a wound. Holy Spirit, would you please would you please enforce the love of the Father in those particular areas and bring healing to hearts and to minds the way you're so incredible at. We thank you for it. And we just invite you to do whatever else it is that you want to do right now, Holy Spirit. We say yes to it. If we want to heal bodies, we say yes to it. If we want to bring freedom in this moment, we say yes to it. If you want to solidify all all over again that we've been adopted into the family, We say yes to it. So thank you for everything you're doing. Help us say help us to say yes every every single every single moment of every day that our lives would be saying yes to you. In Jesus name. Thank you Jesus. We have the prayer team. We have the prayer team going to come up here. Thank you, Father. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.